Christmas is a, is a unique time, and I like coming with a word that may be uniquely different than maybe what we've heard before. And today, I want to share a word with you that is, is it's unique, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's a little bit of reading. I'm going to be doing a little bit of extra reading, extra biblical sources that are biblically based. And I just want to talk about the significance of the swaddling clothes. And the significance is that the swaddling, the swaddling, hopefully I can say it right throughout this sermon, the swaddling clothes were a sign, a prophetic and a biblical sign to the shepherds. Why would that be? We're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about the three significances or three things that are signified through the swaddling clothes that Jesus had as a baby. And one is about being a son, a sacrifice, and a savior. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray, and we're going to go ahead and look into that this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, as we come, Father, we know that you are the one who is the author of all revelation and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. Father, we pray today that you open the eyes of our understanding. Father, give us ears to your hearts receiving a will to be doers of that word that we hear. Father, as I speak as the oracle, Father, let it not ever be my word, Father, but uh, may it be your word. Give clarity of mind, articulation of speech, boldness of spirit, Father. May we be changed thereby by the renewing of our minds and the transformation of our very being into your image, and we thank you for it. We ask you just bless this time now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah uh, 9, verses 6 and 7. And the first thing I want to talk about, the swat and clothes were a sign, and they signified the legitimacy of Jesus' sonship. And that he truly was a legitimate son. Because as we all know, in Matthew 1, 18, uh, with a virgin birth, a supernatural birth, uh, there was great, great potential for being suspect or suspicion about Joseph and the legitimacy of the fatherhood of Joseph and uh, the sonship of of Jesus. But we're going to talk about that because over there in Luke... So number one, the first uh, sign of the swaddling clothes is the legitimacy of Jesus' sonship, which was very important. Luke 2, 7, and 8 talks about this. And, but we're first going to start out in the Old Testament with the prophecies. And it's Isaiah 9, 6. Hopefully you're there by now. And it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. There's a delineation between a child and a son. A child it would be more his humanity, and a son given is his divinity. But yes, also his humanity in a sense. For unto us a child is born, and a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, and that's a key thing, the throne of David. Everybody say, the throne of David. And upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice, from henceforth, ever and ever, uh, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we see that there is a declaration of a son. In the prophetic record, there is this very distinctive and very important idea that there was a son being given. And you'll understand why that is as we turn to some of these other scriptures. Now turn to the New Testament, fulfilling when the angel comes and speaks to the shepherds. Now we always think that it's easy to get this confused that maybe he was saying this to Mary, but he's speaking to the shepherds in this particular place. And it's Luke 2, uh, verses 7 
and 8, and then through 12. We'll just can say 7 through 12. And take note here in verse 7, it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, it always mentions that. Now, you wouldn't think that would be all that important to, to talk about what the baby happened to be wearing as the Messiah and, and the Lord God of the universe. But it is because it is a fulfillment of those things uh, that were spoken of. And it says, And she brought forth a, her firstborn son wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I want you to be very attentive and pay very close attention to these next few verses because he's speaking to the shepherds. Now, this is going to make sense as we go. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them. Everybody said that with me. The, the angel came unto them, the shepherds. Okay. See, the angel came to the shepherds. Now, you've got to remember that. He came to the shepherds, came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, there's that unto them again. Now, he came unto them, the shepherds. Then it says, and then he said unto them, the shepherds. Came unto them, and then it says, he said unto them, fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings, great joy, which shall be to all people. Then he says in verse 11, for unto you, and he's speaking to the shepherds again, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then verse 12, it culminates with the real reason. And this shall be a sign unto you. And again, everybody say, unto you. See, he's talking to the shepherds. Now, we can universalize that, and, and, and we can, and that's all right. But to contextualize it is to take it in its original context. And the original context was, it was spoken to the shepherds. So we've got to remember that. And it says, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swine clothes. This shall be a sign unto you. A sign. You know, you'd think, okay, a sign, swaddling clothes, that's a sign to us? But it is. It's a sign. The swaddling clothes are very important because of what swaddling clothes represented in that day. You shall find the babe wrapped. Now, this shall be a sign unto you, unto you shepherds. It's unto the shepherds. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. See, now, in ancient tradition, there was some things that are not real clear to us as Americans in the 21st century. But the swaddling clothes has a lot of background to it. It has a lot of weight to it. And before, one, one, one person said this. He said, before we go into the scriptural and historical understanding of the custom that was practiced by many of the Semites, including the Jews, we need to know that being swaddled meant to them, what it meant to them. In Jewish marriages, one of the greatest gifts that could be bestowed upon them was to have children, and especially to have sons. This is because the Jews awaited the coming of their Messiah. And every Jewish family lived in hope that their son would be the promised Messiah. Therefore, children were truly considered the salt of the earth. Following this procedure, a newborn baby was swaddled. A newborn child is not clothed, but swaddled. The word clothes found in the old King James and other versions is misleading to the Neophyte Bible. Student, Bible student, excuse me. The word clothes 
in these verses should be read swaddling band. And it is referred to in Job 38.9 when it made the cloud a garment thereof and a thick darkness a swaddling band for it. Some versions of the Bible have swaddling cloths, not clothes, which is a better way of translating it. However, swaddling band is the correct translation. What exactly was, swad- was a swaddling band? It was made of linen, cotton material. It was about five to six yards long, about 15 to eight inches wide, and, and it was, uh, the width of it was about four to five inches. Salt was pulverized by a midwife until it was in the form of fine powder when the baby was born. The midwife first washed the baby in water, then a piece of cloth about, the square yard, about a square yard in size was laid out, and the baby placed in a diagonal position as a custom was. The baby's body was sprinkled and gently rubbed with the finely powdered salt. Now, from the book The Syrian Christ by... Abraham Meter Rabbeinai, these are rabbis, Christians, we read the following regarding swallowing. And in describing such oriental customs, it may be significant to point out that in certain localities in Syria, to say that a person had not been salted upon birth was to invite trouble. Only a benduch, a benduch, which is the word B-A-S-T-A-R-D, I won't say it in front of the kids. But if you weren't swaddled, and then salt put on your body, it was considered that the child was illegitimate. And therefore, a benduch, which is the word B-A-S-T-A-R-D, an illegitimate child. Or the child was unrecognized by its father and is so neglect, therefore neglected. Yeshua's father was known, and he was Joseph, the Bethlehemite father. This is why Yeshua was swaddled in the Oriental Middle Eastern custom, because his father was known, making him a legitimate child. And we know that there's many scriptures, so when they saw Jesus, they were amazed, and his mother said uh, to him, son, why have you done this? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. We say, well, Joseph wasn't his father. He wasn't his biological father. Why did Mary call Joseph Jesus' father? Because God was his father, it was a supernatural conception, but yes, that's true, but what we're talking about is Joseph was an adopted father. And how many of you know God is for adoption? How many of you there's many scriptures in the Bible about God as an adoptive father to the fatherless and, and many different scriptures that talk about that? People from the Middle East have been observing this custom since before the time of the Messiah. Also, we have further proof from the Bible of the custom existing back in the time of Ezekiel the prophet. When Jehovah God instructed Ezekiel to speak to Jerusalem about their abominations, the city is presented figuratively as a founding child, an infant unknown of unknown parentage. Notice, son of man, this is the verse, son of man, caused Jerusalem to know her abominations. As for her nativity or birth, on the days that she was born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you, nor were you rubbed with salt, or swathed in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. Now, this is God talking to Israel and saying, you're not a legitimate child. Don't call yourself one of my children. And this is why the prophet talked about they were not salted and they were not swaddled, but they were just thrown out into an open field and no unbiblical... The, uh, b- 
umbilical cord, I want to say biblical cord, umbilical cord was cut. And so we see that that was, a, that was an ingrained tradition. The prophets used that. They talked about that. And Israel and Jerusalem in those days of their abomination was considered as having no father because of their disobedience to Jehovah God. As a result, Jerusalem was pictured as an unswaddled founding child cast out into the field. Therefore, this provides a scriptural proof for this custom of swaddling among the Jews. So it's so important. Now I want to go back to Luke. And I want to show you how it's so important to understand that Jesus was a legitimate child on three planes. Look in there, and we're going to look at verses one through, uh, Luke 1, 30 through 32. And this is when Gabriel the angel came and he spoke. And the angel said unto her, we're in Luke 1, 30, Fear not, Mary, for unto thou hast favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a what? A son. And shall call him his name Jesus. Okay, so here's the first mention of a son. And that was an adopted son that Joseph and Mary would have a son, and Joseph would adopt him as his own because later he's called his father. So we know legally and technically that he was adopted. Well, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the son of the highest. Everybody say the highest. So now here's another dimension of sonship. Son of Joseph, just regular adopted son, and now son of the highest. That means son of God. And in verse 35, the verse ends with that uh, he shall be called the son of God, it says there. And then it goes on, and there's a third one. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father. Everybody say his father. David. So three types of sonship. The highest, which is, uh, talks about his origin, and then the son of David, which is his lineage, and the son of Joseph, which is his adoption. Son of man, son of David, and son of God are repeatedly used in the Gospels. Those three terms are used to describe who Jesus is. And if you go back to the word son, son means like unto. And you realize that the son of man, being Joseph's son, that he was all man. He was humanity. He had to become part of the human race to stand in on our behalf to receive our punishment so it would apply to our race, the human race. Can I get an amen? He had to be a human being. Number two, he had to be the son of David to fulfill all the prophetic lineage of the Messiah that was come. That is a messianic expectation and a messianic fulfillment. And all the scriptures, the 300 scriptures about who Jesus was, telling us about how he'd ride into Jerusalem, how he would be persecuted, how he'd hang on a cross, how all these things would happen, that he would be the son of a virgin, and, and all these things, to be son of David would cause him to fulfill all those prophecies and all the expectation of Messiah. So he's mentioned there that he's the son of David. That's a messianic, that's a prophetic fulfillment, that's to give legitimacy, scriptural legitimacy of who he was as the Messiah. And then lastly, son of God, that is to make known his divinity, that he is not of just human origin, but he is actually literally the son of God, all God, and everything that God is, uh, he is that. And so we can see there that how important that really is, because the blood is what's passed down. 
And you see, when we became corrupt and when Adam and Eve fell and centered into the world and it became part of our DNA, it became part of our blood, it became part of our, our whole way of thinking, our whole uh, deeply ingrained uh, sin nature, uh, we inherit that from our fathers because the blood comes down from the Father. But he came not from the blood of man, but from God. And talks about that in 1 John. And that's how we know he's pure and he's free from any sin. He's free from any lineage that would corrupted him. And the virgin birth is what makes the blood pure and from God passed down that it was created in him. And so Jesus was not an illegitimate, but he was truly the fulfillment of Isaiah. A son is given. Everybody say a son is given. Amen. So that being salted in that swaddling clothes, those shepherds came. They knew that custom. They understood what that meant. And immediately they put two and two together. And the swaddling clothes and the salting was, this is a legitimate son. Well, maybe those rumors we heard about Joseph and Mary. You know, we, we heard that Mary got pregnant and, and Joseph wasn't, you know, the biological, you know. But this clarifies that all of that that could be suspect is cleared up and that he is the son of God, he's the son of man, and he's the son of David as Messiah. Let's go on to number two. A second thing, a sign and significance of the swaddling clothes, is that he is a sacrificial lamb. He's a son, and he's a sacrifice, and he's a savior. Luke 2 through 18, again, it's written to the shepherds, and I wanted you to remember that. Because over there in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, we can turn there next, and, and I want to make notice here, uh, that in this verse of scripture, it talks about purge out therefore the old lump and leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. Now, we already talked about this a little bit the other night, about the Passover lamb, but I'm going to read it again just for the sake of your remembrance. And we know that how important it was because it says in 1 Peter 1.19 that he is our Passover lamb who was sacrificed for us without spot, without blemish. How many of you know those little lambs? And you can read it back there in Exodus 12. The lamb had to be without spot and without blemish before they could be sacrificed. That carried on all the way through from the time of Exodus and the Passover all the way to the time of Jesus. They still held to that. I'm going to read it again. In the ancient Jewish tradition, it says that the prophet Micah foretold of the birthplace for the coming Messiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Micah said that the Son of God would be born in a little insignificant village near Jerusalem called Bethlehem. How many of you know Bethlehem is called the city of David? How many of you know David was a shepherd? How many of you know Bethlehem was the place where the sacrificial lamb farm was? This is where they raised the lambs for the sacrifices. And it goes on, it says, this place Jerusalem called, Beth, near Jerusalem called Bethlehem. And history recounts that Jesus Christ the Messiah was indeed born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth where he was raised, not in Capernaum where he conducted ministry, not in Jerusalem where he was crucified. The actual birthplace of Jesus Christ is this little town uh, in Bethlehem that has a prophetic significance both in past and future. The past significance is Migdal Idar, and that is called the Tower of the Flock. And that is found in Micah 4.8. It's the tower of the flock. And we talked about that Wednesday night. The tower is not known whether it was a rock formation, like a small little mountain sticking up. Uh, but it's where the shepherds would sit up in a high place and oversee the flock. And 
Uh, it was the watchtower where the priestly shepherds, everybody say priestly shepherds. See, the shepherds there weren't just shepherds. Because they worked for the temple, because they were raising the temple lambs for the express purpose of sacrifice, they were also priests. They weren't just shepherds. So all these signs were very much uh, written to the shepherds. And we forget those aren't just shepherds. Those are shepherd priests. These are guys that are priests, that are educated in this, that know the signs, that know the significances, they know the meanings, they have all the understanding, and that's why God spoke to them. We think the shepherds are just the simple guys, the lowly shepherds that really didn't know anything, and that's what I heard for many, many years, and I start researching, I start finding out the reason why these prophecies were directed towards those particular shepherds is because they were priest shepherds, and they worked at raising the lambs. They understood the requirements for the sacrifices. They specifically had to raise them without any blemish or without any spot. And so it's a very significant thing. And it, so the shepherds would, would, would do certain things. These priests and shepherds would watch over their flock, and the shepherds uh, would see them from their tower in Bethlehem. The next thing it says, and it was the lower portion of the watchtower that the birthing of the lambs would take place. The shepherds would wrap the newborn lambs in swaddling clothes. I don't know if you noticed the song that we played the other night. There's a song about uh, the swaddling clothes. Wrap this one up is part of the lyrics. That's biblical. That's historically correct. And so Jesus being wrapped in swaddling clothes to a shepherd who was a priest who understood that here is this babe that's being born in the place where we raise up and we birth baby lambs to become sacrificial Passover lambs. And then they realize, because they would wrap up the lambs for ritual purity and to keep the lamb from being uh, defiled with certain things, they would wrap that lamb up. And then Jesus is wrapped up. He's born in this manger. He's in this city of Bethlehem, which is the city of David, you could say the city of the shepherd, the city of the sacrificial lamb, in the place where that was done, in the very barn where they were birthed, and in the very place where they would put swaddling clothes on a lamb. You think they were getting it by now. Wow. It's an amazing thing. Yes, the lamb was wrapped in swaddling clothes to protect it from harm, and they would lay the lamb in the manger, just like Jesus. Lined with soft hay. Remember, the lamb for sacrifice must be without blemish. A bruised or broken bone would be disqualifying. Once the lamb had settled down from the birthing uh, process, the shepherd would remove the swaddling materials and deliver the lamb to its mother. The lamb would be, receive a special care from the shepherd priests because the lamb would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. The prophetic significance of Migdal Eddars, the priestly shepherds, in their fields near Bethlehem on that Christmas Eve, knew where to go to find the newborn Messiah. Jesus Christ, he would be found where the angel had told them, wrapped in the swaddling clothes, lying in the manger in the lower floor of the tower of the flock, Midgal Egdar. And he would be there as the lamb to be sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. The shepherd priests had trained all their lives for this very moment. To the common passerby, seeing a baby in a manger meant very little. However, to the shepherd priest, it was a sign of the coming Messiah. 
They were keenly aware of the Messiah would one day free the people from their sins. A baby announced by the heavenly choir, lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, was more than they could handle. They came with haste. They immediately recognized the sign. The baby was the one born to die for the sins of the world. Very clearly, he was that. You know, the Bible says we are his sheep and he is, uh, he is our shepherd and we're the sheep of his pasture in Psalms 100 and verse 3. How many know God is a shepherd? How many know David was a shepherd when he defeated Goliath? He, he came in from tending the sheep. How many of you know he killed bears and he killed lions tending the sheep? David was a shepherd. And how many of you know that Jesus was a shepherd? That's why he, all three sonships were, set, were shep, shepherd sonships. In other words, God's our shepherd. We're the fruit of his, I mean, we're the sheep of his pasture. David was a shepherd. He's son of God. He's son of David. He's son of man. Jesus is a shepherd. He's the, chief, he's the great chief shepherd it talks about in Peter. And so that shepherd and that sheep uh, thing is very prevalent. And we can see that clearly that Jesus came as the sacrificial lamb. Somebody say amen. So he came and the swaddling clothes declared his sonship. That he was son of man. He was son of God. He was son of David. The swaddling clothes declared that he was the sacrificial lamb that was to be slain for our sins. And what good would it do if it was just anybody who came? First of all, it had to be understood that he was the son of God. Otherwise, the sacrifice wouldn't mean anything. What good would it do to sacrifice a man who was just an illegitimate somebody, nobody who knows who he is, that wandered in and was killed. That's just somebody dying. No, this was the son of God had to be declared. It had to be understood. This was God's own son. It had to be understood that he came and he didn't just get killed because he did something bad or some people didn't like him. No, they needed to understand that this was all very intentional. It was all orchestrated from eternity past. It was all about the son of God coming as a son of man to be the sacrifice for our sins to understand the fulfillment of the son of David, prophetic and messianic fulfillment. Somebody say amen. It's so profound. The Bible is so profound. Christmas is so profound. Let's go to the third one. And the third significance and the sign of the swaddling clothes is that Jesus was born to die as a savior. And as we look at that, Revelation 13:8, and I'll turn there quickly, We'll read that text. Very profound scripture, and it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book. Excuse me. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the Lamb that was slain. Everybody say, the Lamb slain. Before. Notice when. He was slain before the foundation of the world. Let's go to 2 Peter, or 1 Peter, another scripture that's very profound, and it talks about Jesus and uh, the predestined plan of God. And it says in verse 18, 1 Peter 1, and it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition of your fathers, but... This is how we were redeemed, it tells us. Not by tradition, but you were redeemed by this. But with the precious blood of Christ, as the lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, 
but was manifested in these last times for you. It's always been God's plan that Jesus would be born for the express purpose to die. Jesus was born to die. And this sign is recognized in the cloth of the swaddling clothes. Let me read to you a third article. And it says, In the Middle East, people traveling long distance were often met with many hardships on their trials and their journeys. In the event of a death in travel, the body could not continue to be transported for many days. For that reason, travelers wrapped a thin gauze-like cloth around their waists. Many times, and in some, if someone died on the journey, the others would use this cloth referred to as swaddling clothes to wrap the corpse in before burying them. When Jesus was born, there was no room at the end, and so Mary and Joseph used a nearby stable for Jesus' birth. With no other cloth to use, Jesus was wrapped in Joseph's swaddling cloths, the cloth normally reserved for a person's death. The King of kings and Lord of lords came into this world in a lowly manger and was wrapped in burial clothes. In truth, he was born to die, to die for the sins of all mankind. When you celebrate Christmas and Christ's birth this season, keep in mind that even in birth, he was preparing for death. His ultimate reason for coming truly was death. I look at that. He was slain before the foundation of the earth. John 20 and 6 we can see something very interesting. Jesus was born. Let's, well, let's just go there. I, I'm not going to I'm just going to, we're going to go there. We'll read it. I, sometimes I just like to read it. Take the time. You see, in John 20 and 6 through 8, something very interesting happens with that burial cloth, with that cloth that Jesus came I'm going to read to you verses 6 through 8, and it says in John 20, we're in John 20, verse 6. Then cometh Simon Peter. This is at the tomb when Jesus, when they were looking for Jesus. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin, the South Durim, I can't remember how to say it exactly the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, that's John, which came first to the sepulcher and saw and believed. What is it that made him believe? Just some clothes laying there? For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Well, to make a long story short, when you read all the commentaries and you read all the articles, and you study it out, and you read all the pertinent scriptures, what you'll realize is one of the greatest signs to us today that Jesus rose from the dead is that he literally, his death cloth was wrapped and found wrapped in the same way that it was about his body. It wasn't unwrapped and taken off and thrown off to the side. The napkin, or this is a a cloth that they wrapped around his face, was not like taken, it was neatly folded in the way that they would fold it when they put it on his face. And it was folded, the cloth was folded and still wrapped in the way it would have been in his body. It's like they found a cocoon but no tear or opening and how did the butterfly get out? What they found was this 
cloth that was a sign, everybody say a sign, this sign proved that he supernaturally went out of his body and his body went out of the cloth supernaturally, just like it walked through the wall when he had his glorified body, when he met the disciples and he walked through the wall and and the disciples were amazed when he walked in. He went right through that cloth. He went right through that face cover and it was all still laying there. And they looked at it and they said, how did he get out of that? There's no way that, you know, somebody could come roll the stone away. But let me tell you something. You can't get out of one of those things without unwrapping it and tearing it all up because all this stuff that, that, may, that mummifies it would be torn up and isn't going to go back together again. So it was very much a sign, and so it caused John to believe. The disciple who loved Jesus says, then he believed. And it was the most supernatural of all the signs. Jesus, when you think about that, at the beginning of life, we can see that Jesus... With birth, now listen, and he was born to die. And he died so he could birth others. And now here's the interesting thing. At the beginning of his life, when Jesus was born, he was put in death claws. At his death when he was buried, he was taken out of the the death cloths. So it's just the opposite. You know, you think of a baby's being born, you're getting ready to prepare him for life. Jesus came in his death suit when he was born and put on his life suit when he was put to death. Because his life suit was his glorified body. When he came out of that cocoon, out of those death clothes, he put on his life suit and he left his death clothes back. You see, Lazarus, they said, take off his death clothes And somebody had to take those death clothes off of him when he rose from the dead. That's because Lazarus was going to have to die again because he was still in a human body. Can I get an amen? See, later he will die again, and then he will raise again. Then he'll have a glorified body, and he can walk through walls like Jesus. But they had to take his death clothes. They had to take his... Uh, you know, covering off of him when he... Remember when they said in John, take the clothes off of Lazarus after he rose from the... I mean, he came out... He rose from the dead, and then they had to take the clothes off of him. Jesus just penetrated, poof, went through the clothes. And he put on his life suit when they put him to death, and he put on his death suit when he came to life. What is that? That means he's the Savior, and he has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the swaddling clothes that he was born in some death swaddling clothes. And when they put him to death, he transcended and came out of the swaddling death clothes and put on his life suit, which was his glorified body. So what is the significance of the swaddling clothes? Number one, that Jesus was legitimatized as the son of God, the son of David, and the son of man. The son of man because he had to be a sacrifice, the son of David because he had to fulfill the prophecies, and the son of God because he had to raise from the dead and be a sinless savior. Number two, he had to be a sacrificial lamb because someone had to take away our sins. And the sacrificial lamb had to be born under the pre-shepherds. He had to be born in the pre-shepherd building. He had to be born with the, with the priest's uh, clothing for a sacrificial lamb, which was swaddling clothes. He had to be born in the manger where they put the swaddling lambs. He had to be born in the city of David. The city of David was Bethlehem. David was a shepherd, and the shepherd city where the shepherds were priests, where the shepherds raised up the 
lambs for sacrifices where Jesus was born. The swaddling clothes. And lastly, he had to be born with the express purpose to die for our sins and to be our Savior. He had to be able to come and overcome the death clothes that he was born in. He was born into humanity. And he had to overcome the death clothes that he was born in. And through death, death died and Jesus rose and life could live. Let me tell you something. The scriptures are very profoundly filled with prophetic um, indicators that the things that we believe, folks, are real. The scriptures that we look to for Christmas are supernatural. Christmas is just not a time to pass some gifts around. It's a time to recognize the absolute profoundness of the incarnation and how God came as a savior. He came as a sacrificial lamb, and he came as the son of God. Let's all stand up. Amen.